0: Out here in the perimeter there are no stars Out here we is stoned, immaculate
1: Indeed we we are Hello and welcome to the C86 show This is David Eastall And as you know we love a special guest So let's just cut the the chase and get straight down to it This week it's going to be the turn of AJ Saga Sometimes known as Badger Boy I hope I've pronounced that quite right vaguely, anyway, he's had a decade, well not a decade, he's had decades in music and has been in such bands as Dandelion, Adventure, Donkey, King Champion, Sands, The Bent Moustache, The Common Cold and much, much more. Anyway, after a bit of casual chat about this, that and the other, we got down to that very exciting subject that was been in um, having a life in music and this was AJ's response Take it away.
0: I've never really understood people who's um, uh, who've kind of drifted off doing music. Uh, I guess people get disinterested or whatever, but I've never really had that. My passion's always been been there for it. It's it's my life, you know. It's my life. It's not a hobby. Yeah, life. So uh, it's it's been continuous and. uh, I ne you know it, it, i've never really looked at ha- having to attain success or anything or you know it's i've never made a career out of it it's been purely uh, done out of passion and obviously you know some things do better than other things in terms of getting noticed or uh, um you know um maybe even if the re- if reviewers pick pick up on things but it's never really uh, um held me back at all yeah um, i'm i'm always looking to do the next thing
1: It's interesting, because a lot of the bands, because obviously I was the 80s indie kid, so this is, you know, where my show started, really. Um, Yeah. I mean, a lot of the bands did give up music, you know, they they kind of, they got, I think, so disenchanted and so probably hurt by the whole experience that they sort of gave it a miss, which is kind of bizarre, because you think, but you were one of the bands in the 80s, you know, and fair enough, you know, that moment that probably people don't realise is sort of been and gone and they think oh shit that's it is it you, you know but you could still keep playing music but a lot of people didn't you know they went no nah, that's it I've, I've had it so there you go so yes but um yeah some people didn't you know some people do keep it going but i think it's just kind of juggling well, uh, you
0: know i've, I've dealt with I've, you know I've, I've been around so many musicians from the past and uh, who you know were very very busy with music uh, and you know were attaining some relative form of success for whatever that was back then you know get, getting noticed by the uh, by the indie uh, magazines you know whether it was the enemy or melody Maker or sounds or whatever and um you know they would ride that way for a while um, they'd do the usual circuit of stuff, put out the records, trying to get onto a label independent label that would uh, support them. but I guess a lot of people really got disenchanted with a lot of things in the in the business just because they realized it wasn't all uh, nothing it didn't all smell of roses <laughs> and uh, uh, I think some people got quite um hurt. wounded by by their experiences and they didn't really want to repeat them in any shape or form and that actually was meant for them was giving up music entirely even though they had a you know obviously had a talent for it but they never chose to pursue it and they you know they went down a different road of finding a uh, you know settling down getting a career and uh Earning a, earning a wage, regular wage, and not really bothering with music anymore. That was, And for them, I guess it really was a kind of hobby thing at that point of their lives until they realised, well, I've kind of had enough now and I want to do something else. Yes, so
1: I know, it's they, very strange. They, they, they grew up. They grew up. <laughs> they got grew But look, so I'm, without giving that much away, in my, um, yes, I was born in the mid-60s, so I'm now in my mid-50s. Um, yeah. yeah, and so w- with my kind of period of sort of music and, and excitement, it was kind of top of the pops in the you know the early 70s with you know the glam stuff and um, yeah, 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 getting really excited with all that kind of world from sweet to Gary Glitter, yeah, brilliant. We, we loved to double, get a bit of Gary Glitter, did not we?
0: Double drummers,
1: I know beat. you can't beat them really. The, the excitement, I wanted to be in Gary's gang basically, yeah. and um, but luckily, my first single was David Bowie's Space Oddity, and then you know. That became has become an obsession. But then I didn't really hit punk, but I did sort of, it was the indie world, the 80s indie world that really yeah. got it for me. And that, that was kind of pretty much it. Though I did have an older brother who was seven years older than me, and he was really into prog. And I just loved listening to these prog records when I was in, in you know, my formative years. <laughs> so I have a strange awareness and knowledge not knowledge i suppose that would be too much but awareness of like yes genesis and the solo work of rick wakeman um i know check me out and um yes it was just one of those things you just when you consume something when you're very young absolutely yeah it, it is in your brain decades later and you can remember you know king arthur very well
0: no absolutely and i think it's also interesting that you know when we were especially when we when i was younger my uh I mean, I'm, I'm I think I'm probably the same age as you. I was born in '65, and um, but I, you know, I moved to Britain in '76 from Kenya. So, the, I got given a radio by my mum and dad, or oh, my brother and I did, as a kind of payoff, you know, for dragging us from the African continent <laughs> to the European continent. But it was, you know, straight into uh, it was sort of straight from sunny uh, uh, Nairobi to uh, <laughs> grey and dark Glasgow.
1: Ooh, uh, excellent. So that,
0: so that was a uh, uh, you know and we got a radio as a kind of payoff and uh, I think you, you know the, the thing that I tripped into at that, at that age um I, I I just started listening to uh, to punk and I, I, sta- I actually started listening to Peel around then and that was the first thing I I, I re- that really moved me and it was kind of like my it was like a, a um a security blanket for me because there was always hell going on outside in my world. You know, I was having to get used to a brand new world. But that music was the thing that really I held on to, like for dear life. Yeah, so exciting for that age. And um, no, it was. Uh, it, I I I went through all that. But um, going back to where you started, saying you you know you, you had prog and things. Um, I at that time, you know, you, when you're really young, you're kind of kind of snobbish about a lot of other things, especially if you were fighting the punk wars uh, at that time. And, you know, things like prog, et cetera, weren't really looked on, uh, were looked on with disdain. But I've, you know, the older you get, the more broader your tastes become and the you you actually, you know, let down, you actually do start listening. And I, when I say listening, I actually mean really listening to music properly. And things like, you know, whatever, Magma or uh, uh, some you know, music from that genre could probably, uh, it, it sounds actually, pretty cool there's some really really great stuff in there you know and you think oh i can see i can see the appeal of it
1: so, yes no it's good i know i suppose you know the, apart from the novelty records that appeared a lot in the 17 by people like telly oh. savalis or something mm-hmm. whispering trees by the 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 people who did "It Ain't Half Hot Mum" and things oh, like that's that, right. yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and anything by Benny Hill and some, yeah. some something about a milkman, yeah, most of it sounds all right. I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, some of, of course, it you. That is a album, actually. Excellent. Definitely. I am pleased that you have and you <laughs> yeah. kept it and you've moved house with it on several occasions. I
0: have, yeah. <laughs> it's it's in my record collection for sure. <laughs> you know.
1: God, that's good. So, what was the first record you bought? Uh, uh no
0: more heroes in 77 single
1: excellent that was so cool um,
0: and i had to send my i said i had to send my mom to uh to buy it for me um so she went and got it and um and that was actually the case with most of the records that i bought well yeah nearly all the records i bought i had to uh you know i had to get, I knew what I wanted but you know I, I wasn't really getting oh I wasn't getting any, any pocket money or anything so I was just like if I wanted it so I have to ask my mom if she'd go and get it for me you're buying a lot of records what music is this and then yeah she'd bring the record home and we'd all have to sit in the front room and they'd put it on and I could just see their faces you know their jaws dropping it was just and I was just like you know secretly loving it but also cringing because I was having to Go through all this, isn't it? And it was just like, oh, oh no, I really don't want you to hear this. Cause it's you know, it's, I know you're not, you're not going to like it because they were all into Indian, you know, music and Indian film music or whatever, and classical Indian right. music. So uh, it was it was kind of uh, I was uh, I was I was on a limb on that front for
1: sure. Because recently I did an interview two weeks ago probably with the guy from Corner Shop. Who oh, went... to Yes. Oh, ben. Uh, to, um, who was the first guy, you said? Tajinder. Yes, that was him. Yeah, they're
0: all really good friends. Because yes. Because they, they all went to college in Preston. The
1: Preston connection, and, and yeah. then something to do with Lester and playing chess, he told me. In great yeah, exactly.
0: Well, the funny thing is, that the singer of um, um, Dan on Adventure, Mark, he was the one who came up with the whole idea, really, about with... Um, for Corner Shop because he, he 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 always used to have these um, he used to have millions and millions of mad ideas really you know kind of he's kind of a genius on that side of on 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 that side of things um, and he you know he was always going on to me about yeah, get all, you should get an all Indian band together yeah you, know, you to Tajinda, uh to brother and uh, you know we'll get we'll just make it all Indians and ke-, and he came up with a name we'll call it Corner Shop and you know we'll take it. And I was like, Mark, it's a total joke. I'm not going to do that. I can't do it." But he actually went through with it, and he was kind of the guy behind. it. And he was, you know, he was their manager for uh, quite a, quite a while as well. Yes. Well, I yeah.
1: I remember them in the early days before they had the big single, and uh, you know, kind of John Peel picked up on them quite a lot. And then, yeah, he, you know, I just couldn't believe hit the stuff he did, and uh, yeah, and still, and just released an album this year, which is which is it's uh, really good. Yes, I know. I mean, it was it's kind of. You almost penalise for sort of keeping making music because obviously it's like, yes, we've got enough of your material. Oh, you've got another album. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's terrible, isn't it? You know, as a fan, you think, God, I'm such a terrible, (laughs) terrible fan. But, you know, it's like how many Copto Twins albums do you need? You kind of get the gist, don't you?
0: Yeah, but you still need that extra one. <laughs> you need them all.
1: <laughs> you need them all. You know, you, you... Uh, do you
0: know, do you know what I had? I was, a, well, uh, sorry to keep interrupting you, by the way, but I, I'm a massive Cocktails fan. I was, you know, I used to go and see them a lot. And, um, uh, you know, I, buy, I had all the records, all the Peel sessions I record as soon as they were broadcast or whatever. But, you know, when they left, um, it was around... AD, wasn't it? Uh, eighty, You know, 88, 89, they signed to a major And I was just like, oh no And I really, I refused to I re- actually did refuse to buy any um Any of their albums on, on the major labels But I was in, uh, I played a show last week in Rotterdam and I always go record shopping like, I'm a total vinyl junkie And I was flicking through the cocktails thing And I came across that uh, Milk and Kisses album
1: Oh yes And I thought,
0: fuck it, I'm going to buy it and I did, and I brought it home. And it's actually, I'm looking at it now. It's on my turntable, and it's. I loved it, and I was like, "Why?" You know, you know, it was like another of those things. You just like when you're younger, you just you're really kind of a bit snobbish about things. But uh, I, you know, I listened to it last week, and I was like, "God damn it!" there's some fantastic numbers on here as well. Yeah, really, so it's a so totally fine. So, but so, yeah. what
1: label was Heaven or Las Vegas on? Was that Four AD? Or was that a major?
0: was that on the um I don't know, i'm just gonna slide the record one of the record cupboards open and i'll tell you in about five seconds
1: that, that was their kind of the major one wasn't it yeah that was when it all happened seriously
0: Copters, here we
1: go um, oh that was on 4ad it was there. Oh, 4AD. 4AD. So there you go. Oh, it was uh four calendar cafe, which was the first one on yeah. Fontana. And then your last one, Milk and Kisses. God, I mean yeah. Yeah. In- impressive stuff. Yeah, well going yeah, so in the eighties, right, we love the eighties. So at that point, you know, we'd had the the, the, the rise of Thatcherism, and there's the bin, the Falkland, and then the miners' strike, and then there was a huge amount of unemployment. So there was a lot of people who were doing their job seekers' allowance and enterprise allowance schemes to sort of then become artists and various other things. And so that that was kind of where a lot of bands started to form, really. So when did you start yeah. thinking I might want to be a musician, or I might might get a band together?
0: Um, well, I went to. Uh, I was at university from '84 to '87, uh, and before that, when I was at school, i had been in i been in like kind of uh, in bands, you know, doing cover versions of Joy Division, Killing Joke, um, yeah, whatever, The Fall, just yeah, just cover versions. But you know, that kind of those kind of that kind of music. Um, and when I was at college, I was drumming in a couple of bands. Um, but I was uh, and I was putting on a whole bunch of shows and just going to a ton of shows around the country. Spent more time actually going to gigs than, than actually being in college or university. And when I left university, I went straight on the dole in Manchester. And um, I, Mark, I knew Mark from like um, from from Preston from like Membranes because we were, we were like a whole bunch of people who went to, you know would follow the Membranes around um and he came down to staying at the membranes house and i was around there and you know it was, it was a rip, kind of uh, he'd come down every weekend from preston and i don't know he threw a curveball at me and said oh would you be into playing bass with Dan Lied adventure and i was like uh <laughs> and i just and i said yeah without even thinking about it and um i hadn't really picked up a bass guitar before um so i what i ended up doing was i borrowed john rob's space wow he lent, he lent me his like old uh, um, original membrane space um so I you know I would take that I took that home and uh, that's I, I just you know told crash course told DIY I learned you know I was just plonking away uh, at that thing thrashing away at it all day uh for days you know for weeks and weeks and then you know he was like oh yeah come up and we're gonna have practice and stuff. So, so I'd go up to Preston and on the train and uh yeah, that was the first time I really uh, properly played the bass, I think. And, it, you know, it was, just, it was just a bug that stuck after that. And I was just like, this is fantastic, playing making music and playing music in a, in a band format. And, that, and after that, I was totally sold. And I I guess since then, I've never really, really looked back.
1: Yes. It's just
0: gone on from there.
1: So did you get lessons or get some sort of help? Or, or did you just keep on no. No, trucking no. away?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, just totally... Uh, um, uh, just, just purely uh, did it by instinct, and uh, you know Stan, Stan would usually come up with kind of the bass riffs to start with, and I you know plonk away with that, that. But later, you know, I started getting bolder and uh, started doing my own stuff and finding my own voice within the whole band framework and actually bringing stuff forwards. And that was, you know, that was that was then I knew I was making massive strides at that point. Um, and the bass was, I loved playing the bass. Um, and uh, it was it, it came really really naturally to me, and I treated the bass like a as a um, like a, as like a lead instrument. Um, like, and pe- people who I was like Jean Jacques Bernard was a huge huge uh, inspiration for me anyway as a bass player because I love the Strangler so much, and I loved the way that the bass led their songs a, a lot of times. Um, So that was kind of a a guy I looked to and certainly the style of playing and certainly the sound that I wanted. And the other guy I really massively looked up to was uh, Steve Hanley um, and his his style of playing and how his bass would lead the charge uh, within the fall um so those two guys were like the, were the you know my uh inspiration for how i wanted to play the bass and basically around what happened, the style that they took on i kind of um i kind of just uh, copied them but then eventually you know found my own voice within within what i was doing
1: yes and when you i mean my one of my favorite artists has has to be said is is lemmy from motor Motorhead, and yeah. um, yes, because his bass playing was quite unique in so many Fantastic. ways because he, he'd been a, a rhythm guitarist and he in the rock and oh. Vickers, and so he had quite an unusual style and, and was at the vocalist as well. So I just wondered if you'd sort of picked up some of those kind of tricks and habits as well, or inspiration.
0: Yeah, I mean, so, so um, let me. Um, uh, Lesser so. another guy, you know, who I love, whose bass playing I really enjoyed watching was uh, Lou from Dinosaur, because uh, I used to, uh, I used to go and see them and was friends with them back back then in the eighties, like mid mid to late eighties, and I'd see how he played, and his his approach to playing the bass guitar was like he was playing a guitar basically. Uh, he 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 wasn't like picking single notes. He's you no, know, he was playing chords and that was another technique i tried, you know picked up on quite um quite a lot was you know playing chords and uh, when when needed but he he's got an incredibly unique style of uh, playing bass as well
1: yes so then because of what we were talking about earlier about you know people who'd been in bands and they'd sort of done quite big stuff well you know big stuff you know they they shifted records in the indie charts and you yeah. know and then in the 80s that was quite you know, you could really sell a lot of records in those days and, you know, Absolutely. done sort of the tour of, you know, the UK and Europe and possibly even America and done several albums. But because I was, in a way, it was the one of the main bands for me in the 80s was the Smiths, you know, that was like that indie mm. world was 83 to 87. And then when they broke up, there was definitely a change in the scene, mainly because Ecstasy started to appear. And, and all yep. those bands who'd been around had pretty well done the, th- second or third album and through lack of money and also they'd all fallen out with each other were slowly yeah. thinking you know everybody's now wanting that new sound it was the happy mondays and stone roses and primal scream and the, and the soup dragons had changed their sound to be more kind of ravey so there was yeah. a lot of people at that stage like the june brides and the wolfhounds were beginning to really flag at that point and the smiths had broken up and then yeah so so then there'd been that grunge period that came a few years later but then you appeared with your first band this was your first band I'm I'm guessing Dandelion Adventure.
0: Yeah it was yeah and um, that, um, yeah
1: and I was just kind of cuz the other band I loved who were a three piece in the 80s was Huskadoo and oh, um, I love Huskadoo oh. Yes so and and obviously Sonic Youth so were you were you kind of getting into that slightly grunge sound and vibe at that point um it was funny because uh, i mean different people
0: s- s- did throw that term in but it was it, we never uh, we never deliberately looked at it that way at all i mean we were all uh, massively influenced by the fall we, i mean we were all Mark and I were total foreheads um, and and Mark coming from Preston, you know, Lancashire, he's got that Lancashire uh, twang to him. So everybody would s- sort of say, Oh, it sounds like Mark Smith. And, um, and, and our sound was, I, I wouldn't say it was really, well, not grungy, but I don't mean uh, another, somebody else called it thrashadelic, which I thought was maybe a better uh, way yes. of looking at it. Um, and, I think some of you know some of the songs are quite you know quite surreal. It can take on a real beef hearty and turn sometimes, or uh, you, you know the obvious reference obviously would be The Fall. But we would also you know do uh, really uh, weird things. It, it was there was it, it we never we didn't make the um, the songs to be weird deliberately, but that's just like it was the nature of the people involved uh, to make make it go make those songs go that way and we had two drummers as well you know we had a double drummer attack so we had to find um, a form and structure to accommodate two drummers within the within the song frameworks as well um
1: yeah that that was quite interesting as well
0: yeah (laughs) yeah that was uh, i mean that that came about because uh, Jeff was our original, well, was our drummer, and he had to go away. Um, I don't know if he was going to, he was at college at that time for a while. So he, or he had to do exams. So we needed to, but we need we really had to do some shows. I think maybe opening for the Valentines or something at that time. And um, uh, and so we'd asked Jason, who lived in Preston, and he's an absolutely phenomenal drummer, um, and when we'd done those shows with them, we were like, well, why don't we keep Jason and Jeff together and get them, you know, get the double drumming thing going again. And again, it was like a homage to the Glitter Band and to The Fall. Um, and we made yeah, we made it work. And, you know, it sounded great. It looked great. And, uh, I, you know, it, it was something that we, it was definitely something if you wanted to you know pull out a card trick uh, on a particular night anywhere you know double drummers does it every time it's it's just <laughs> yes yeah, it's it's, it's huge it sounds huge it looks great and it's uh and they be it's a real battery charge uh through your set uh battery charge through sets through the whole set so no it was it was fantastic it was really really cool yes um so yeah five people on stage i know um, well i
1: remember i remember adam and the early years okay, oh yeah was was kind of incredible brilliant. And, you yeah know, you just gotta have that excitement of it so mm. did you when you first started did you have any kind of plan or was it like just a very organic no. oh god, this is happening. Yeah. now, this is happening oh my god we got the album
0: well kind of it was i mean we mark and i would always have those um again it was you know it was those teenage dreams you, you you're 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 in your bedroom or you we, we're down the pub or we've finished the rehearsals and you just have mad ideas and you have you have a lot of ambition and you have a lot of things you want to do in your life and you never i mean when you when you when you're younger you, you you don't really have a care in the world and you think that you know the world is is at your feet and things will happen and in, in a way because we were so determined um and we had this vision that a lot of people who were around us lived in like people in Preston believed in that vision as well. So, you know, so Action Records were like, oh, yeah, we've seen your shows. Are you going to do a record? Yeah, well, we'll put it out. I was like, okay. And then, um, then, you know, people like the Pastels picked up on us, the the Valentines picked up on us and started offering us uh, support shows, uh, support slots. And we kind of thought, oh, well, this is how it works. Uh, We knew how lucky we were, but it was also like um, we, we were kind of just Yeah, we just thought this is okay. This is great. This is really cool. But when I look back on it all now, and I'm like, Jesus, we were really (laughs) incredibly lucky with the way things went, and you know what what we achieved, and how we got about to do those things. Um, It's not that doesn't happen by accident. And obviously, because of the length of time I've been making music, I just realized how incredibly difficult it is to get any kind of attention or notice in any shape or form, especially if it's a DIY. well um, I guess
1: uh, looking back at that period, which I hadn't really appreciated until recently, was that you had these kind of gatekeepers, especially yeah. then. And you know, you had John Peel, which was massive, but then you had people like huge. Jan- then you had Janice, you know, long in Kitchen yeah. and, and, and people like that, but then you had the music papers which like the NME had something like, I don't know, hundred thousand a week, I think. Yeah. But then you had Melody Maker, Sounds and Record Mirror. So it was all it kind of you know, it didn't take sometimes much to suddenly... If you've got a John Peel play and then that session, you know, they, yeah. the, the likelihood is then some young promoter, and when you say promoter, that's quite a fancy word, somebody... Because every city had a kind of venue, basically, like an art centre type thing, and an indie night on a, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like Norwich had the Wild Club, but there were clubs yeah. all over the country from Brighton to Bristol to Glasgow Leeds, and, you know, and you had all those pubs in London, like the George Roby and then Princess Charlotte in Leicester, so, yeah. Yeah. so it was kind of, you would just get that phone call and say, do you want to play in Norwich on Wednesday the 20th of March, you know, and, you know, with three other bands probably, and... And you'd probably go. Exactly, yeah. Yes, we'll get a van and we'll be there. Thank you very much. Where is Norwich, by the way? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but
0: that's, it's, it, de- it definitely worked that way. I mean, we and I. I realise um, uh, later when we when we did initially start looking uh, for shows when the whole thing was kicking off. Um, I mean, I remember I booked the very first tour myself, and that was literally you know phoning, phoning people up and uh, or sending letters out and hoping to get a reply on the cassettes that I'd sent to folks um uh and then you know we went on the very 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 first tour we did was uh it was three bands it was us uh, a band called the flaps from uh, uh north wales and a band called Stretchheads from glasgow so the three was like uh you know got into a van um and uh just yeah it was all shows that i'd cobbled together um and that that came about you know purely from the strength of the fact that you know we'd had a play on John Peel and there was something there's been a little article in the enemy or something about us or a live live review somewhere and it was just you know we were winging it with the uh, trying to get stuff um but it m- helped massively the fact that you did have uh get some airplay on Peel or uh, you did have that live review in in the enemy or or in the Melody Maker, and then you started meeting people from the you know from the f- 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 journalists or whatever or kind of new people. I lived in Manchester, so there's you know there's folks from City Life magazine or whatever, and you got to know a whole uh, um, community of musicians in the city. And obviously, you know, they'd heard about your band and, you know, they'd obviously tipped somebody else off about it, et cetera, et cetera. So in in that way, it, it, news could uh, and usually did travel quite fast. Um, and If you were good enough and people liked it, then it worked to your advantage. Um, so, no, it was, it was interesting. It was good.
1: Yes, because, um, but with a lot of bands, they do have a, like a four or five year narrative, don't they? They... They get that, you know, that together, you know, 12 months a John, you know, a spin on the John Peel show... The John yeah. Paul Session, that first album, you know, the, you know, the random kind of tour, which isn't kind of coordinated, but, you know, it's kind of happening <laughs> and you're not playing, you know, and you're playing in front of people who aren't your friends and family and anybody else you can emotionally blackmail to see, you know, the complete no. strangers all over the place who vaguely know your lyrics and it's getting exciting. And then the second album can be a bit tricky. And, you know, the third, let's face it, that's all over by then. But, yeah. <laughs> but your, your, your narrative of the first band is quite short, isn't it? uh yeah I mean it didn't The uh,
0: last from i think we oh well, I know when we broke up, we broke up in uh 90, 1990, and the reason for that was because we'd been again we'd be this is this was something that you know got given to us, and we were like so incredibly happy it happened there was a there was a kind of like agency in Liverpool. And they were offering these bands like tours of uh, uh, of like Germany, uh, and even providing the van and a driver to take you there and tour. And then you know they take a cut of the take a cut of the fees that were given to us for their to pay for themselves. And we and they said to us, oh, we can get you shows here, 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 and you know finishing in Berlin. And um, and the Berlin show was going to happen on the day the wall was going to come down and so you know we were like incredibly excited about the whole thing um and it was just like a couple of weeks before um before the tour happened um they got in touch with us and said oh you know our van's broken down and we can't get a replacement or anything can you guys help us out well stan our guitar player had a van and so i just thought well this is going to be easy we'll just go and go in stan's van and uh to complete the tour uh you know we'll pay stan for the for the rental of the van etc but um, so we put it to him and he didn't want to <laughs> he didn't want to take his van abroad and uh, and I couldn't believe it I was just like in complete shock was, and like none of the other band members could understand it either and we couldn't um, yeah uh, so we thought we could hire one get one from Selford Van hire or something but it was just uh, it, it was financially too much for us Um so we cancelled the tour, and I just thought, well, if we, if if he's gonna, if he's not, if if that isn't enough to get you excited to you know be in a band and go abroad and you know, you, you take your band just to do that, then I don't really want to play uh, in the band anymore. So I was just like, I've had it. And Mark was like, yeah, sod this. Can't be bothered. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, that was
1: it. was it going to be the loft in Berlin? There was a venue which I think, I don't know, there was probably quite a lot of venues, weren't there? But...
0: Yeah. But I, I can't remember exactly where we were meant to be playing in Berlin for that tour. But, uh, I, mean, it, I mean, it was just the fact that we were even going to be in the city on the night. Or, yes. Or, uh, the night that the wall would come down, I just thought, this is a chance to be part of history. And, you know, and... Uh, it, not just to be there to be making music but actually to witness a change you know and, uh, the most it, important thing
1: in the way in, in yeah, the western in, in decades yeah. it's yeah. yes I, so, I that's that's not yeah that was that was a difficult one to um maneuver really wasn't it yeah that was a re- that was such a shame i was you know like oh never mind yeah you know, what can you say about from that's the end of the band yes i suppose you're not going to really pick up from there are you no, it didn't really
0: have any. Um, it wasn't. I mean, it, it, it,
1: if if something
0: that like that doesn't thrill you, you know, about going abroad, and then you make a sacrifice of taking, you know, your form, your transport uh, in place of what was being originally offered, then I really don't think that it's uh, worth pursuing. I and then mean, you obviously don't have the same vision as the other members of the band. You know, yeah.
1: Well, I can kind of remember there was one band. Who Yeah, they'd been going for a long time. Well, I say a long time, but you know, longer you know, quite a bit of time and, and done quite a lot and they'd done a lot of touring. And I think the it was when the World Cup was on and they were like I think one member was like keen to do some more touring and the rest were like, actually we just want to watch the World Cup and it was like I think we've had enough, haven't we? But I think Shh. by by then they'd all sort of had enough of it, so it was like, Yeah, I think I think we can safely say that's the end of the band for the moment, but we'll get back together in ten years' time and mm. do it But I think people just get exhausted and and um yeah. But that was because they'd done tours of America and things had gone really badly and people had been injured in Crash, you know, accidents and stuff like that. So um, that's yeah. kind of fair enough. But yeah, the wall, the wall coming down. You know, you you'd want to be there to feel the energy, really, wouldn't you? Because that was yeah, quite. That exciting. was in yeah, that was yeah. When
0: was that? That was actually ninety one, wasn't it? It was yeah, sort of end of towards the end of ninety one. So the band probably split up uh, just before that, around end of summer or something. Yeah.
1: So So um, yeah, it was quite a moment. So then, what happens with you after that? Um, I was living. Um, I was living in, Manche-
0: in Manchester at the time, and uh, I was. I was like really old friends with uh, Dinosaur Junior. Oh, uh, nice. i Had been for a long time, and uh, they were touring in that summer of ninety one. Um, so um, I I quit my job in Manchester and because uh, the band weren't going either on either. I was just like right. I got an interrail ticket and decided to go watching Dinosaur play in Europe. Um, and I did that for a couple of weeks and then spent the last two weeks in Holland uh, with uh, staying in a like big squatted villa out in the countryside north of Amsterdam with members of the X and Dogface Hermans. And uh, so, and after two weeks there, they were like, oh, what are you going to do when you get back? And I was like, well, I'm not really sure. I don't really know, actually. Probably to sign on or uh, and see what happens. Um, they were like, well, why don't you just come over here? Um, you know, and I was like, oh, okay. So six months later in the 30th of December, 91, I moved over, moved over to Holland. And yes. I've been, been here ever since.
1: Wow. That's an amazing moment.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and there was so. a lot of squats and... Do I you mean, a lot of hippies went to Holland, didn't they, in, the, in that period? Because I think you could sign on. A lot of people, you know, the travellers, there'd been this kind of the travelling con- convoy, peace convoy, that they called themselves, had started leaving the UK and was sort of finding themselves going abroad and... Holland was one of the first stops. I suppose it's for obvious reasons, isn't it, really? Drugs.
0: Well, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, the liberal lifestyle of you know, the culture uh, uh, appealed to a lot of folks at that time. And, it, it, you know, there's a lot to be said for Holland. There's the fact that they, are, they were more liberal than other countries around. It's changed a lot since then, obviously. Um, but... Um, I, I found the thing that really inspired me was that, that whole squat squatting community um, was the fact that, 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 you know, people within that whole uh, uh, network were actually doing things for themselves as opposed to being, you know, uh, being directed by o- other forces uh, outside. So, you know, they had their own uh, network set up. They had their own, you know, uh, uh, houses that they'd squatted and lived in had their own uh, cafes, had their own uh, uh, printing places, had their own workshops. Had you know everything was you know very um, everything was done by themselves and self sustained and um, living kind of outside of the 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 the, the normal uh, um, uh, normal the normal settings. Um, and I, that was something that really really appealed to me the, the, that that mentality of doing it for yourself and not you know not having to be told what to do by anybody else and you know, making things actually happen so um that 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 was actually the driving force for me to come here and do do stuff so i'd got really sick of that whole Thatcherite period in britain and the apathy of people in britain in the uk around that time in the like 80s yes. mid 80s into the early 90s I just I, I was trying to do so much stuff in Manchester and you know, organizing, arranging, and just you were just always faced with a wall of apathy, and I I just got sick of it, got fed up with it all. So yeah. I really needed uh, fresh wind in my sails, um, and that's why I came over here.
1: Excellent, but you're, I know. Fast forward to the present, you've got a new album out, Bless Bless. Mm. Uh-huh. So so this is a very different vibe, isn't it? It's very ambient and. Channeling the spirit of some of those bands we mentioned earlier.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean it was something that Um I I kind of had, had had an idea of doing something like this for about a year or so And it kind of really kicked in when I was um, I made myself play uh, a couple of shows. I did a support show uh, at a, a, t- a venue in town I just asked the the promoter, you know, um, uh, it was this kind of small squat venue. There was an American band coming through. And I just thought, I'm, I'll do it. And I came up with a name and, I, um, you know, came up with an idea for a set and found myself on stage alone for the very first time and uh, just, you know, went through the set. And it was really well received and I felt really confident in what, what I'd done. And then the next live show I did was opening for uh, Jay Mascus at a bigger venue in town. Excellent. You I, must have been absolutely. really
1: excited by that.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was excited and it's also kind of, it was also weird because you know that people have had come to see Jay and they, you know, support bands don't really get a look in anywhere. And I was, it was also a big challenge for me, you know, to see what if I could get through it. And, um, you know, um, it, one, if I in, would enjoy it, two, if people would accept it and see for what it was. Uh, the the challenge for me was whether you know I would have actually enjoyed playing that music to that many people on you know on a bigger stage. I'm on my own, uh, and if that music would come over as I wanted it to, yes. and whether people would have open ears for it. And yeah, luckily enough, people were. It was you know people liked it, um, uh, and I, I most importantly, I I really enjoyed it. And from there, you know, uh, after the summer, after, after I'd finished. Um, Mixing, recording, mixing, and producing the Deutsche Ashram album. Uh, I just got stuck into this album uh, for about three months, like uh, writing, recording, mixing it, producing it, mastering it, uh, and getting the whole the whole thing done.
1: Yes. So by
0: by Christmas time last year, I had an album ready to go, and I was you know sending it out to uh, uh, to potential labels that could release it um and you know was hoping to get some something here hear back from them so yeah it was a process that took me about three months or something october november December three months to do it all um and that was and that was really really working extremely hard you know working every single day on it um and really really focusing very hard
1: it's yeah. interesting isn't it because um yeah the corner shop um yeah, team. I think that, that kind of last album almost broke them because it just was a lot of work and, and doing everything themselves. So it is yeah. kind of an amazing labour of love. And it's it quite a, <laughs> an, an almost quite a lonely place to be because you're thinking, God, is anyone really going to be interested in this when it's all finished?
0: Well, that's, that's it, though. I mean, seriously, that's basically what you're... Uh it's not really something you think about when you make it when you're making the music but when it's all done and dusted and you have to go through the whole process of actually uh you know making getting the product out and then uh, going through the rigmarole you know the usual routine of trying to get distribution trying to get some press for it you know get radio interested and it's all DIY so it's not like i've got like a and i released it myself because the labels that i'd sent it to uh I mean, everybody really, really liked it when they heard it, uh, but a lot of labels had a huge backlog of stuff that they just, you know, and they couldn't suddenly. And I, I said, I want this out ASAP. I want it, you know, and I'd, and they couldn't guarantee that. And other labels were kind of, um, um, even though they liked it, they wouldn't commit to it. So I was just like, right, bugger that. <laughs> and I just put my own savings into it because I really, really believed in it. Um, yeah,
1: God, that is really. And so, did you get some top tips about, so like the 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 interesting and tricky world of, of starting your own label? Was it actually? A bit well, easy? I've done it
0: before. It's not like the first time I've released right. stuff. Um, so I've you know I've released a lot of stuff on, on on my own in the past. So it wasn't. I the thing is, you know, I'd rather not have to go through the whole rigmarole. I'd rather give the thing to somebody and let them get on with it with the yes. manufacture record and then you know possibly even you know yeah doing the press for it but um you know, i wasn't really afforded that situation so i knew exactly what i was facing um and it, i just knew how i knew how much time it was and energy it was going to cost so i was just like all right but i really believe in the record so i'll do it
1: yeah amazing and but before then just going back slightly you you know after your, your sort of first split of the band in 1991 you can you continued sort of creating bands and, and, and having other musical combos, didn't you? You, you know, you've got an amazing oh, yeah. CV of, of kind of stuff. So what was, the, you know, what was kind of briefly, what were the kind of the highs and lows of that kind of kind of narrative? Um, well, when
0: I moved to Holland, I started a band called Donkey. And from that, um, uh, the, the, I released the very first uh, single myself. It was a double seven inch. Uh, and based from that, it was like it got kind of got, some notice uh, in other places, um, and I got contacted by this guy in England. He was called uh, Paul Kearney, and he was like, "Oh, I really love your band, and you know, are you going to release anything else?" I said, "Yeah, I want to release another single." He said, "Well, I'll, I'll do it." And he'd never had a, done a label before, but he really wanted to just release our stuff to start with. And his label, I said, What's, "What are you going to call your label?" He said, "Guided Missile." So he started the Guided Missile label which uh and from that you know he grew and started putting out bands like country teasers Biss, and uh um yummy fur and long leg and whatever and peel peel really loved his label and we got a peel session from that as well from the donkey got a peel session which we went and did as well um and after that yeah i when i'd gone through that did the bent moustache for a number of years you know we did a couple of us tours did a tour opening for Sebado in the States and, you know, did a whole bunch of shows here in Europe. Um, and then I got sick of that. And then I started a band called King champion sounds, which we've been doing for like about six years. And I've released four albums with them, um, which is, you know, it's gone down a real storm. It's like eight people on stage and we've got like a whole, whole horn section, etc. So that's, um, that's been really, really great. Um, and I've got, Deutsche Ashram, which is with this woman, Marinda, um, it's like a duo. And it's very, yeah, I mean, people always, always reference the cocktails when they listen to our records. But I think, you know, I think I can hear the elements of the cocktails in there, but there's also a lot of other things going on as well. Um, and then, um, yeah, obviously I've got this now going on. and I'm just finishing an album. My next album is going to be University Challenged, <laughs> which is uh, me ollie from king champion sounds and this guy kohei japanese guy in a band called boningen and we've kind of got this drone drone well, it, drones are very loose term for it because i love melodies, so there are melodies in there but just if i loosely have to describe it it's kind of like a yeah i don't know drone melody uh project but it's really beautiful and i'm just finishing mixing that so yes. that'll be in the autumn but
1: yeah there's been a whole bunch of stuff my God, that is a very impressive kind of amount of material you've managed to, uh, to get. So is it, is it the case then that, um, you know, you've managed to navigate that other world that is kind of doing the admin and publishing to the point that you kind of own your music and even though you might not get much on the royalty check front, you do? I,
0: yeah, I haven't had a royalty check in 25 years, basically. I've n- and I've never, I've never signed any of these n- numbers up for any, uh, with any n- whether PRS or anybody i should but i'm just um i I haven't
1: (laughs) yes so yeah so yeah i just so you 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 own all the material that you've done yeah which is kind of the the most it kind of well most because there's quite a few bands i've spoke to or musicians who are really disappointed or fed up that you know they don't have the their music anymore and it's not theirs and you know, and somebody else is, might be making a bit of money for it, but they, they don't have that ability to say, right, one day I'm going to archive all my stuff and no one can stop me. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a rock and a hard place, basically, isn't
0: it? It is, yeah. And I think, for, you know, for a lot of bands, when they're offered that opportunity that somebody else is going to release their stuff, they kind of basically sign, sign away their uh, ownership of, of that album at that point. Um, because the labels really know how to uh, make the most out of the situation so they'll probably say you know we're own we'll own this album for you know 2025 20, years and thereafter you can have it and by which time you know, it's, it's kind of pointless really. Yes. <laughs> yeah
1: it's kind of over really isn't it then? it is yeah yeah it's a bit too late and so what would you say to a and, you know, your 18-year-old self starting out, if you could have said something to them back when you were beginning this journey. Um, if
0: I, w- I would definitely wouldn't lose it. That passion that you have when you're 18, you know, when the world, you think you own, you know, you the world is yours and you can do anything, that's something that you, you can never, never get back again. And I would never change that for, for love or money because it's, you're so naive in what you're doing but you're so driven by a passion for for something you love and you really uh, you don't you don't care about anything um you, you're not you don't you're not scared of anything uh whereas you know in later years you become really wary of things of the industry and how things work and it's a case of who you know and you know and uh uh, connections or whatever that kind of bullshit but that you know when you're 18 and you're just all you're driven about is getting you just want to play you just want to play music you want to be on a stage you know you want to have your you want to get drunk after the show and that energy and vitality and passion that you have at that age, I would never change that for anything. And if if I was going to offer advice at that age, I would just say, yeah, do it, just do it, just do it. And that's the only way to learn. Is you it's you sometimes have to fall down to learn things the hard way. But it's, it's you know that's part of the, that journey. So yes. I'd like, say just do what do what you want to do.
1: I mean, obviously, the, the thing the thing
0: is now, you know, nowadays with technology, every, especially with the internet, things have drastically changed. I mean, we can't really compare things to the mid '80s or the you know the early '90s to what they are now anymore because everything's so connected and it's so much easier to get your music out on any you know on any platform. Bandcamp, you you don't even have, you know you don't even have to have a physical product out. You can just put it on Bandcamp and uh, maybe make make a bit of money back on it. Um which I think is fantastic by the way. I think it's really, really wonderful that all this technology has allowed bands and musicians to be able to do stuff themselves, you know, record themselves really easily uh and get their music out because you, know, you you do you can find some really 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 amazing things out there. Um um obviously there's a lot of dross as well, but there is, you know, there are a lot of gems out there. Um, and and I think that the way people, what makes people tick, making music these days is, I see it really, I see it a lot. I work at a club in Tarragona called the Paradiso, and I and I see you know how young bands coming through, through our wall, you know, through our doors. Their motivation for making music is sometimes I think. Um, it's it, the passion's there definitely but the way that they've gone about bringing their music out to the rest of the world is very much different from how we did it and, you know they, they they're they writing emails and you know getting answer almost instantaneously and they've got a whole network built up very quickly whereas you know it would usually take us a lot of a lot of time to be able to you know to get that far um and that was you know Either by playing gigs or through the fanzine culture or uh, um you know getting mentioned in publications uh, and simple things like getting played on on the peel show
1: yeah and
0: nowadays and nowadays you know the radio network thing is you know if you if you get played on six music, that's considered a big thing and if you if yeah publications, I don't know what online things the quietest maybe. Or um, maybe there's, there's a bunch of uh, online blogs for music, but there's nothing specific where you can really turn to and say, oh, you know, I got a mention in that where everybody's like, whoa, I guess, you know, maybe Uncut and Mojo, but that's uh, beyond that. I really can't, i really don't know anything else.
1: Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a, it is. Yeah. A lot of people have said similar things. You know, it's like it's kind of easier, but they, didn't. and I don't know what the kind of whole network of live gigs is like anymore, really, in this country. I mean, they're, they still, still, they still happen, but obviously, you're not, you know, when you're not 20 or, I don't know, 18, anymore, no. you can't quite relate what, what do 18 or 20 year olds think because you don't, you're not, you know, you're just not, yeah, you're not that person anymore. And, um, yeah. No. It is a different a different world, but it's interesting. Yeah. And when, so just lastly, when we when you sort of look back on, and sort of what you've done, and obviously, you know, you've got this new album and, and focus, but, you know, looking back, is there is there any sort of particular moment that you thought, God, that was absolutely brilliant and you're a bit disappointed with it, that it didn't go on? Or is there any bits that you look back and thought, God, I wish I'd done that quite a lot differently, but, you know, it doesn't matter. I wish we
0: well, I definitely wish Down Advent Adventure had gone on longer because I think we had so much going on for us and we were building up so much momentum. Um, and we had, you know, we still had so many really, really great ideas and we could have just grown and grown to be an even better band. Uh, and, um, it, yeah, it, that's, I, I, I still find that a real shame that, you know, that we never really... Uh, um, went the we didn't complete the the the, 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 the trip. Yes. With, with all us the way it did. You know, I did make an album with Mark and with Dave Chambers who used to be in Corner Shop um, and like a couple of other pressing lads. I was I, I did an album like two three years ago with a couple. We went under the name The Common Cold, and um, it was a really 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 good album. I'm really proud of that album, and uh, Action Records put it out as well. And we did a bunch of shows in the UK, which went down really well. Yeah. And it, I mean, that was one way of kind of um, um, going back to it. And uh, I just wanted to have one more shot with, with, you know, a couple of the guys and, you know, so, and uh, just, just to have that feel, feeling again of being in the same room with them and, you know, having, the sharing the same jokes and hu- having the same kind of humor, but also, you know, having the same, Um, vision that we once did share and it was really really fun to do i mean but one album was enough and then i realized okay it's um um that that's 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 good that's enough let's you don't have to come back to this again
1: no Um, and did uh, the and did the um other members of the band sort of feel a bit same as you in reflection of well, the, you know the common cold.
0: The thing again with the common cold, and like it's a lot with all the other bands. I, I I end up doing the donkey work for everything. You know, I wrote all the songs, ended up recording everything, and mixing it, and sorting out the label and distribution. I organised a whole UK tour for them, and you know, basically, and I, I was just like, you know, you guys are same age as me, and you know, maybe a bit younger, but you've you've also you know you know you're not people have to need to pull their equal weight on things and uh that was kind okay of, i mean that has been it's not the only band where I've had a source of frustration about that but that's because i am i I'll admit it I am so driven by what I do I really want it to be good and I want it to go far i want and I'll only put a product out which i think is really good music it musically stands is is really you know really strong um and i just need the other people around me also to share the vision and also to put, but also to put in put in the work um with all aspects of being in a band uh and that doesn't always happen and with the common cold it was kind of going that way and i realized well you don't want to get stuck getting frustrated again so it was it was better just to uh end it after that you know what that one cycle we did together yes
1: it's interesting how many people have said the same thing, you know, the, the driven person. I suppose that's why bands like, I don't know, U2 or The Smiths or, you know, they just, and and The Police, I suppose. Yeah, band, I'm just sort of picking bands who really seem to really go for it and think let's... Yeah. And, and obviously some bands kind of implode, like The Smiths and other bands think... We probably have lots of issues and lots of problems, but yeah, yeah. the bigger picture is that actually, if we don't blow this, we could have quite a good gig here. So um, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting, actually. So yeah, I guess I guess it's that big picture that that it is,
0: and it's hard to explain that to folks who are kind of outside of the whole thing and don't really know. I mean, it's 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 the same with the Smiths. I mean, you could people always conjecture about why it all went wrong, but you know. Johnny Ma knows why it went wrong, and he's he's probably you know he's probably told his his wife knows exactly why it went wrong because she was with you know saw it all happen with him and had to help him through it. Morrissey probably knows, but he's probably going to lie about it because he wants to protect himself. And the other two, know, yeah, they they probably do they know as well, but they're not going to say anything about it. You know, you are going to keep some 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 things. You have to keep. You know, within the band code of not revealing everything, which is fair enough. But and we as fans, you know, the real fans were bitterly disappointed when it all ended because they meant so much to us. But we, again, we don't know what the full story is, and probably never will know the full story. Yes.
1: We can definitely,
0: we can definitely guess, and I can definitely probably guess uh, at what happened. <laughs> you know, having been in a band, you know, played music for thirty-five, thirty years. And I probably know exactly what Johnny felt right when he was just like "fuck this for a game," so I was just like, I just don't want to do this anymore.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah. And every and every and every little comment and every little bit of I don't know. Yeah, it's the comments and the slight back, backstabbing that kind of yeah. happens that you just think actually I can't do this anymore. You
0: can't do this anymore now.
1: And um, yeah, and I suppose that's that point where. You because know, you too i I thought were okay, but not a patch on the Smiths, but then they just didn't do that thing. They had a good manager, and they saw the big picture and they kept on trucking so um yeah, they did it in yeah. the end, yeah, yeah, but then, yeah. yes, perhaps five years is it, really, the Smiths, never mind, but look, this has been fantastic. well, thank you ever so much for getting this together Absolute pleasure. and um yeah, and when I do it. I'll um I'll send you a link, and then you can always put it on your Facebook page or whatever. Definitely, yeah. Social be great. platform, but that's been amazing. Well, and again, you know, fantastic to hear the new album, and uh, and just brilliant to sort of hear your story as well because it's always oh. fascinating. <laughs> it's all
0: right, not a problem. I'm Happy to share it, and uh, very nice of you to take interest in the music. That's that's all I can ask for.
1: Yeah, no, well, that's no problem. But look, take care. Have a <laughs> yeah. You too. Have a good year. Stay safe. Yeah, and yeah. Um, hopefully one day. You'll, yeah, for sure. Your tour where, again. Where,
0: where, where do you live? Norwich. Oh, in Norwich, okay. Uh, when was I there
1: last? Uh, maybe I was at.
0: I came over to see The Fall. That was the last time I was in Norwich.
1: Well, wow, that must have been a few years ago. What, five years ago? So, yeah. So, it's yeah. funny with The Fall because it, they're one of those bands in the 80s that I. You know, I got every album and then I used to do the, you know, go and see them live. And it got to that point where you're just thinking, I don't know, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm going to miss this next album and the next, one. you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I know you're not supposed to admit these things, but there was that kind of, after a while you bloody hell, another album, oh, another tour. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd yeah. seen them do the Curious Orange with... Um, with the Michael Clark dance uh, company, yeah, that was amazing. You know, yeah, kind of, I yeah. don't know, you know, it was just a moment. I mean, it was a long time ago, so yeah. you knows? it might have been rubbish, but at the time, I thought it was amazing. So, um, yeah, it's yeah. interesting. But do you, I, do
0: you know, do you know a guy called uh, um, Davy who lives in Athelborough and he does the Peel uh, Archive?
1: Um, I know there's a guy who's a photographer. who does. Um, what's his name is he the photographer guy who's who's documenting it uh
0: does he take photos? He 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 uh, d j he's is. not d j seventy
1: eight is he Seventy Eight. yeah 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 yes yeah. so he yeah. is the yeah he's a photographer that's his day job actually photographer
0: uh, right yeah yeah so oh, yeah he, yeah he does he works at that Photo, what's it called? Photo Unit or something.
1: And he's got a website with all his pictures. So he gets commissioned to do lots of different places and stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. Um so he's been doing the John Peel stuff. Yeah. And I remember somebody else who also um based in I Suffolk, this is a village called I who who was gonna who, who was also part of that document in the John Peel. Archive. Yeah, um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I've been oh, trying too. to convert some of my John Peel tapes actually to uh...
0: <laughs> digitising. Yeah, it's
1: yeah. Quite, it's quite a labour of love. You know, oh, you kind of think this God, is a great yeah. idea, but then you wonder, am I gonna? I don't know. It's quite amazing. It's lovely to hear the shows again, and it's nice to hear his voice. It's always completely weird when you hear the news. You think, what the fuck? I don't know what's going yeah. on. Yeah. You know, oh no, it's the news from. 30 years ago don't worry quite a different story <laughs> i
0: know i know i uh, know uh, but yeah no, i miss really miss him still
1: yes i am completely fucked without him cuz the problem is and I was aware of this. I kind of relied on him. I just thought, John will sort it out. You know, he'll he'll of give course. me the indie track. He'll give me the Bundu Boys. He'll give me mm-hmm. the Gregory Isaac. He'll give me a rap song that he's yeah, got, yeah. he's listened to all the shit and he's given me the best one. And best one, you know. Sure. And that's that was it, you know. So I got into anything from Bulgarian folk to Zimbabwe pop and and anything yeah. else, you know, and and rap, you know, because I knew that he he kind of filtered it and just said, David. Yeah. This is what you need. Here you go. You'll yeah. you'll you know, yeah. this is the best indie song I've found for you this week. I hope you like yeah. it. And uh, so, you know, and, and to be honest, I've never found anybody close to him really. So um it felt it uh, it did feel like it was such a personal thing in his life, you know. It was Yeah, a, definitely. You know, that definitely. And he wasn't gonna be bribed with, you know, like somebody getting him to do something he didn't really want to do. Because I think he'd done a bit. He'd got quite friendly with Mark Boland and I think that ended badly. It and I did, think, yeah. And I think after that he thought, oh, I'm never going to get close to any more kind of um, artists because they're going to get pissed off when... Hey, i I'm going to get pissed off when they get so big they don't want to talk to me. And then, then when the time comes... You know, I don't want to play their last album because it's absolutely rubbish. <laughs> They're going to get yeah. upset. So I think Mark got really upset with it. So uh, yes, it's a funny one, isn't it? Rock and roll. Yeah,
0: don't don't get too close to your,
1: don't
0: it, yeah don't get too close to your heroes or don't be if you're a fan don't get too close to those people you like too I know. much. That's the operative.
1: Uh, it's tricky though when you're yeah. a Smiths fan, though, isn't it? <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, you know, I I saw them from the beginning, and I went to so many shows, um, travelled around, hitching around the country, and you know met other fans that way. Um, but yeah, you know, it was an obsession as well. You know, it was like the cocktails were an obsession, and the Smiths were an obsession, the um, before, you know, been my lifetime obsession. And uh, but those those bands just matter. You know, they really really matter, and yes. uh, you do anything for them. Just uh, to get close to the whole thing,
1: I know be, it's great it? to be a fan. Yeah,
0: it is for sure.
1: Yeah, I know. But look, thank you ever so much, and um, yeah, you too. Take care, and we we'll have a great evening. You too, have and you stay, uh, safe. stay safe. Okay, thanks there. Yeah. Cheers, bye yeah. bye. And that is the end of the interview. If you're still with me, well done. You will get a medal. This has been David Eastwood. That's and the C86 show, and that was Aj Archer Saga sometimes known as Badger Boy, who's got a new album out called Bless Bless that has just been released. So hopefully you'll be able to find that down, find it, track it down, buy a copy. It might just change your life. Anyway, if you want to contact me for some random reason, you can on Facebook, Instagram, just do at C86 show. And also all these shows have been archived, so you can find those on uh, Spotify, iTunes and Podbean just to C 86 show. It's all there and much, much more. Anyway, have a great week. Stay safe. We will be back.